Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. If you want to turn with me over to uh, 2 Corinthians, as you're turning over there, we're going to pray. And this morning, uh, Matt and Ladera and uh, Rex, Rex has got an infection in his body. It's quite serious. And uh, we're going to pray this morning. He may need to go. He's got another surgery scheduled in July. And we need to pray that he would be able to stay at home until that next surgery in July. Otherwise, he's going to need to be at the hospital for the next month and a half till his next surgery. And so uh, they're kind of deciding that today, I believe, in the next day or two, whether that's going to have to take place or not. And so we just need to pray for baby Rex. Rex is only, I think, six months to nine months old. I don't know exact age, but just a young little guy. And um, he's got some surgeries ahead, but we're going to pray that the Lord would uh, be with Rex and be with Matt Ladera, okay? So let's just pray together as we, we enter God's word and as we uh, lift up Matt Ladera. So Lord Jesus, God, we come to you as the source of all hope and comfort. And we, we understand, Lord, that baby Rex, his, his health, his life, his everything is in your hands. And so, God, we pray for Rex right now. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would bring healing to his body. God, we pray that you would remove the infection. Whatever's going on, God, you would give his body the strength to fight off that infection, that you would give the doctors and nurses wisdom to know how to care for them. And God, we pray that he would not need to stay in the hospital for the next month, God, but that you would allow him to come home to be with Matt and Ladera at home. So God, we pray for him right now in the name of Jesus. God, we also pray for Matt and Ladera that you would give them strength. God, I pray that they would find their hope and refuge in you. And God, I pray that, Lord, even as weary as they are, God, that you would strengthen them, Lord Jesus. God, we also, as we turn to your word this morning, God, we, we ask that you would, your name would be lifted high. God, that we would receive from your word, that we would hear from your word. And God, your word would, would, would affect us and change us, would point us back to you again, would reorientate us to you. So God, we, we lay ourselves before you this morning. God, thank you that you are the God of comfort. God, thank you that you are the God who is able to heal little, little babies of infections. God, you're also the God who is able to continue to speak to us through your word and change and affect our hearts this morning. So we lift all these things to you. In your name we pray. Amen. We, uh, we're starting a, a series in the next few weeks starting this morning, and we're going to look at what does, how does the church care and comfort each other, and how does God use the church, and how does God use one another to be a source of care and comfort in all of life's stresses, in all of life's pains, in all of life's challenges. And so we're going to look at that particularly, but we're going to also look at in these next coming weeks, looking at uh, mental illness and the effect that that has on our lives, the effect that it has on our brothers and sisters, and how do we care for one another 
with the reality of mental illness surrounding us and affecting us in our own hearts and lives. And so we're going to take the next few weeks and unpack those things. But this morning we're going to do a bit of a kind of a generalized what does care look like in God's body, God's people, and God's church. And so today we're going to look at just broadly what, what that means. And as the next coming weeks unfold, we're going to unpack what does that mean specifically in those different areas that we see in our lives and in our church. And so by way of just introduction, I want to just invite uh, Jane to come forward, and she's going to share um, just some things that uh, she has experienced in terms of care here amongst God's people. Thanks. Um, Brian and I went through uh, several years of infertility, and then the adoption process wait, and then very sudden arrival of our daughter, along with a week in another state before we could bring her home. And then now we are, again, in the middle of a very long wait for another adoption. Um, But one thing that has meant so much to to me and to both of us is for those lots of different people who took time to pray with us um, or pray over us, they would find us after the service and just say, I want to pray for you, or I have a word for you, or... um, Someone from our life share group even came over to our house, said, I have a word for you. I was praying for you this morning. I just want to share with that with you and um, pray with you again, which just meant so much to take that time out of the day to not only pray for us, but also come over to our house. Um, different people have checked in with us, let us know that they're praying by just text or call. And just knowing that there were people praying for us um, really really meant a lot and especially on like the rough days that we were having or me personally having and uh, then I get that text and just like Lord you know you know what I need Um, and I know that there were different people that we talked things through there were a lot of decisions that we had to make throughout everything and um, they just let us talk to them and ask questions not offer advice um, unless we ask Um, but just to help us work through a lot of the different things we were uh, going through. Um, Some of the practical ways that people helped us, um, sometimes we asked for help, like, can you help clean my house for the home study that we have? And so people would come over and help clean our house, which was wonderful. Um, Michelle took pictures and helped me design our profile book for our adoption that um, showcased our family both times. And... um, Other times, people just saw what we needed. When we had to spend a week in uh, Ohio after we got the call to come get Adriana, uh, a couple from our life share group mowed our lawn for us and bought us groceries. We ended up being gone from our house for two weeks. And so we came home, and someone had cleaned our house, mowed our lawn, and got us some groceries, which was amazing. And then um, right after we got home with Adriana, People brought meals and gifts of baby clothes, which was great because we really didn't have anything. And the women in the church very quickly and generously threw us a baby shower, um, which was wonderful. Um, This time around, we've had some people already offer, oh, I'll watch Adriana if you get that call again, you know, um, to come and get a baby. I'll watch her. Don't worry about it, which is really just helps me not stress out. Um, even right now, as our weight drags on for the second adoption, uh, people still check in with us, see how we're doing, 
um, pray for us, um, pray with us, and um, just in general, whenever people remember us that we're still waiting, it just means a lot. So thank you, everyone, and we've been felt very cared for as we walk through some difficult things. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 this morning. And this is what we read in 2 Corinthians. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the, same, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. As I read these verses and consider God's heart for His people, for His church, for His body, for His precious redeemed people, I think I so badly desire for Mercy Hill to be a place where this is a reality. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in any affliction, that we would be the kind of people, we, we would be the, the, the redeemed people of God who would care so deeply and so passionately for one another, that in any affliction, whatever is taking place in each other's lives, that we would be the ones who would say, I'll, I'll help, I'll be there, I'll, I'll mow your lawn, I'll, I'll buy groceries, I'll give that phone call, I'll send that text, I'll pray, whatever, whatever serves and blesses you in that moment, I'm going to be there, I'm going to do that. That is my heart for this church. I believe that's God's heart for his people that that would be the redeemed community, that it would be such a place of care and affection for one another that the world outside would look in and say, there is something radically different going on there with those people. I see nothing like it anywhere else in the world. Because it's not just a superficial love, but a supernatural love. A supernatural effect of what God has done in our own lives that allows us to care and love and give comfort to one another in any affliction. And even as I say that, I, I, I realize that so many people have been hurt by the church. That so many people have been betrayed or rejected by the very people who should have been offering comfort. I understand this. And I want you to know that it breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart when that happens. It breaks my heart to, when I hear about it, the way people have been treated, not in, just in other churches, but even in our own body. People have been hurt. I've said hurtful things. But it's my desire as we look into this these next few weeks, to begin to unpack all that God would have for us as His people. In 
in the way that we care and minister to one another. That is my heart for us. So we live in a broken world. It doesn't take long for us to open the newspaper, to turn on the TV, to see the distress around us. There is, some, there is pain everywhere. There is, there is brokenness. There is, there is betrayal. There is, there is hurt. There, it, is, it, is, it inundates everything. And it's been this way since the beginning of time. We think about, as we, we finish up the story, the series that we went through, the entire God, entirety of God's Word in 31 weeks, we just finished that. Even as we begin in week number one, we open Genesis chapter three, the very beginning. God creates Adam and Eve, places them in a beautiful garden, in wonderful relationship with each other, with God, with 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 nature. Everything is in balance. Everything is is working together in unity. And then we get to Genesis chapter three, and the breakdown happens. Adam and Eve rebel against the Lord, and there's a brokenness that. Adam and Eve experience in their own relationship with each other. God comes to Adam and says, Adam, what happened? Adam throws Eve under the bus, right? Points back to God and says, the woman that you gave me, it's God's fault, right? I mean, it, it all breaks down from there. Adam and Eve, God and humanity, humanity and, and, cre- and creation, everything is broken in this moment. The, the distrust, the, the hurt, And so God takes action. God sends the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, incarnate to come and save and redeem a people. To bring bring a wholeness where there has been brokenness. To bring bring unity where there's been disunity. Jesus Christ comes and he experiences what it's like to be betrayed. He experiences injustice. He experiences brokenness and weariness. He experiences what it's like to be cold and and hungry and and tired and to know what it's like to have your friends turn their backs on you. He knows what it's like to lose a friend. He knows what it's like to see loved ones pass away. And then he does the most unbelievable thing possible. He takes our place, takes our sin upon his body getting nailed to the cross, dies in our place, then rises again three days later. And so when we look at the way that God comforts and cares for us, it's all rooted in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. The way that God cares for us isn't just something that we've somehow earned on our own. This is a blood-bought reality that Jesus Christ has purchased for us by his life and death and resurrection. That as we come to Scripture and we see that God has brought comfort to his people, it's only through the cross of Jesus Christ that we have this promise. And so because of the cross, we read in Scripture that we're new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Not only that, but we are brought into God's family as God's children. We're adopted into God's family. And then we're also united with Jesus Christ. That changes everything about us. All of our identity is completely changed 
by the cross of Jesus Christ and our union with him. Everything changes, and then that not only unites us to God and, and forgives us of our sins and brings us to a new creation, but it also unites us to one another, it makes us brothers and sisters. So this is who we are, with bonds stronger than even family itself on this earth. It, it unites us in such a way that our new identity creates a bond and a relationship with one another that supersedes anything that this earth has to, has to show. It's family. Now, I want to go back to this text. Going back, it says, look at the way it describes God the Father and his ministry towards us. The first thing we come to is it says, he is the Father of mercies. His mercies are new every day. He's the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. Not some comfort. Not comfort every now and again, but God of all comfort. And he says he comforts us in all our afflictions. In any affliction, God is able to comfort his people. Now what's, what I love about this is this word comfort. We see this over and over and over again in the first seven verses of, of 2 Corinthians. This God of comfort comforts us and we're able to comfort others. This word for comfort, it's in the original language, it's this word that means to come alongside to help. To come alongside to help. And it's the exact same word that's used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus uses in John chapters 14 through 16. As he's sitting with his disciples at the Last Supper, he begins to tell them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's going away, but he's sending a comforter. And this comforter is going to do some amazing things in your lives. And he says, look, it's the same word he uses to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit that he uses in these few verses. It's that kind of comfort. God comes alongside us to comfort us in any affliction. This isn't love from a distance, but love up close. This week, Michelle and I were, were sitting together with uh, our neighbors. They came over, and we're sitting together, sitting in the driveway, just talking, having a nice time. And they were facing us, and we were facing them. And behind them, we see our one-and-a-half-year-old, Max, running down the driveway and Max, man, he just takes a spill. He, he bites it right on the cement, right? Now, I don't want to say I'm an expert in, chi in child falls, children falling, but I've got a decade of research, right, in my back pocket. I know when a, there's two kinds of falls that kids have, right? There's the fall that they, they kind of fall, you know, it, it's not that bad. They get up, they go on their way. And then there's the other kind of fall that you're like, hey, hon, you need to get out here. And this kid is, he's a, he just biffed it and he's going to need some help right away, right? So you see, we see Max fall. We both know, hey, he's fine. But we also understand that as a parent, if, no, if he thinks that nobody saw him fall, he's going to jump right back up and get on his way. However, if that child realizes that everyone saw him fall, what's going to happen? He loses it, right? I mean, it's like his arm just was broken off. I mean, it's like the world has come to an end. And so Max falls, he trips, and Michelle and I say at the same time to our neighbors, don't 
turn around. All right? Because they're grandparents. And our neighbors know when they hear a little whimper or whatever, man, they're, we know they're going to turn around and, oh, Max, you know. It's, and so sure enough, they both turn around. They completely disregard what we just said. They turn around and sure enough, oh, Max, Max, are you okay? And of course, he gets up. He sees them concerned and he just loses it. See, there's, there's different kinds of comfort. There's the kind of comfort that you give to your son when he kind of falls and scrapes his knee, right? Son, I know that hurts. Get up, rub some dirt on it, and get on your way. That's a, that's one, that would be considered, to some degree, comfort. There's the other kind of comfort that says, look, you need to go to mommy right now, and she's going to like bandage you up and, take, and do the stuff that moms do that dads just... We can do, but just not quite as well. What do you think this verse is, what kind of comfort is this verse talking about? This verse is talking about the kind of comfort that's not just a pat on the head. Hey, you'll be okay, bud. Rub some dirt on it. Get on your way. This verse is talking about the kind of comfort that when you fall and scrape your knee, that God is there. And he says, I'm the, I come alongside you. I'm not from a distance. I'm not watching you and just hoping things work out. That God draws near. That he's there to help and to love and to serve and to bless and to comfort in every situation. It's that kind of comfort. And he's inviting us to enter this kind of relationship with one another. The God of all comfort is inviting us. He's calling us. He's beckoning us to enter into that kind of relationship with one another. Not the pat on the head. Hopefully you get better later. It's the kind of comfort that really deeply, truly cares for one another. That's the kind of care that God is talking about in this passage. Now, what does this look like? What does this look like on a practical level? I mean, it sounds nice in theory, but what does it look like on a practical level? We're going to get to these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body in the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I want to focus in on one particular verse, and it's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. And this is what it says. You don't have to turn there. It should be on the screen. It says this, If one member suffers... If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now think of it like this. Have you ever had a root canal? Right? Just if you if you never had a root canal, even the word just sounds terrible, right? Because when you get to the point of needing a root canal, there's something terribly wrong in your life. And it's amazing how something that probably occupies less than one-tenth of a percentage of your entire body, how that one root in that one little tooth in your mouth affects everything that you do. When you need a root canal, trust me, your whole body is affected. You can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't drink. 
There is nothing that you can possibly do in that moment to, to get any relief from that tooth that is aching. It affects everything. In the same way, in the same way, if one member is suffering, he says, look, if one member suffers, all suffer together. That's the way that he describes this, this suffering. It's, it's his, this root canal. It's not just, oh, don't worry about it. It'll get better later. Hopefully we'll take care of that. Look, when you need a root canal, man, there's nothing going to stop you from getting to that dentist. You'll do whatever it takes. We need to get help. It starts for us by realizing that as believers, that we've been called into a new reality of care and concern in comfort for one another. That when one member is suffering, that all of us have the responsibility to respond to. It's not someone else's job. In this text, all suffer together. It doesn't say all fix it. It says we all suffer together. There's something about being in this together. There's something about being with one another. It's like that root canal. We all suffer together. So what do we do? We connect with each other without trying to fix the other person, right? I cannot tell you how many times Michelle and I have had a conversation. I come home from work, and Michelle begins to pour out her heart to me. Look, we had some conflict with, with this person, and I need to go to the grocery store, and I've got this meeting, you know, just on and on and on. And so as I listen to her, I'm like, honey, I've got good news for you. I've got all the answers to your problems, right? Look, you need to call this person up. You need to go to the grocery store and get these things. You need to make sure this meeting gets, you know, and boom, I've, I'm like, honey, great. Okay, what's next kind of thing, right? I'm trying to fix her. And she says to me, look, I don't want to be fixed right now. I want you to hear me. I want you to be with me. Husbands, have you ever done that before? Right? Maybe she asked the wives. Wives, do your husbands ever try to do that to you? Try to fix you? That works really well, doesn't it? In the same way, we need to fight the impulse to, to define and prescribe for people what they need. And this is the part of being with, this, this word for comfort, this, this paraclete, this, this being with togetherness. We don't have to try to fix people. That we can just be together. I love about Brian and Jane's story is this idea that people aren't trying to fix them, but being with them, loving them, visiting, caring, ministering. Caring and comforting one another means that we first have to realize that we have to accept responsibility for one another, each other's lives. There's a responsibility that God has called us to. This new reality of who we are in Jesus Christ makes his brothers and sisters with a responsibility to each other. But secondly, we have to fight the urge to define and prescribe for people what they need. Can I tell you how many times I've been talking to someone or praying with someone or just being with someone and someone else will come up and be like, oh, here's what you need to do, pal. Here's what will fix your problems. Do this, call this person, take this medicine, pray this prayer, whatever it may be. And it's, it's as if, no, 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 we just need, at this moment, we just need to be with one another. We just need to be with one another, we need to love one another. And lastly, lastly, 
we need to pray. And I cannot tell you the way that prayer not only changes the situation that we're in, but it also changes us. I think that is what we can practically bring to any situation, is that we can say, look, I don't have the answers for you, but I know one, one who does. And there are, there are people in this world and in this church and in our families who have completely and utterly disappointed you. But let's go to the one who's never been a disappointment, the one who's never let anyone down. Let's go to Jesus together. That is what we can do. Yesterday I was, I was working on this message and I got a phone call from my neighbor. And she said, my brother passed away 40 minutes ago, lives in Munster, would you go visit the family? They, they, they asked if you could go visit the family. So they're five minutes from the church, I get my car, I drive over there. In that moment, in the deepest, deepest possible pain imaginables, guy wasn't that old, had a wife, had kids, they're all in the bedroom, he was on hospice care, he had passed away when I showed up probably an hour ago. And the wife is there laying in bed with him, holding his hand as she's weeping. What can I possibly bring? So I shared this verse with the family. And we gathered together and we prayed. I think there's no fixing the situation. But we can go to a God who brings comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. And that is all I had to bring. There was nothing else that I could say. I said, let me just share a verse with you. I shared these verses with her. So now let's pray together and invite the Lord to bring comfort to the situation. And so I think for us as God's people, this is what God is calling us to. We're going we're gonna to close with communion. If we can begin to distribute the elements. Communion is an unbelievable reminder to us that God loves us so much that he came in the flesh to redeem and save a people from their sin and to bring them into relationship with himself. Communion is a wonderful demonstration, a declaration that Jesus Christ not only lived and died, but that he rose again. It says we take communion to proclaim his death until he returns. It's a proclamation that Jesus is alive. They saved us and redeemed us. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to we're going to pass out the elements. But I want us to take a moment in our own hearts to go to the Lord. And with those things that we feel like we have been hurt by, or maybe there might be people in our lives that we need to we need to minister to and care care for, that we would ask the Lord for the strength to do that. And then we will all take the elements together.
Jesus, we want to thank you this morning that you came and you dwelt amongst us. Jesus, that you took upon your body our pain, our disappointments, our afflictions. You took all those upon your body and you were broken for us. We also want to thank you for your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. That no matter what we've done or the hurt that we've caused other people, you continue to invite us back to the table to receive your forgiveness and mercy. Jesus, thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you this morning for your body, your body of your people who you've given to us as a means of care and comfort and love. Jesus, that your love continues to be extended to us through one another by the mercy of your Holy Spirit. So God, we pray this morning, God, that we would go out from here Lord, knowing your love, knowing your care, but also being the very people of God who would be the ones to care and comfort others in any affliction. In Jesus' name we pray.